Hey, what's up, guys? We are here today with a very special episode that does not necessarily fall under the category of known, but we want to talk about something that's pressing our nation right now, which is the coronavirus. Uh, I'm here with two guys who I love and respect very much, uh, who are kind of in the thick of it down in Dallas, Texas. They work for Watermark Church, and they're doing a lot of really cool things uh, for the kingdom with what they're doing. First and foremost, uh, we're going to introduce a guy by the name of Connor Baxter. So Connor is a campus pastor for Watermark Church at the Frisco campus, and I'll let Connor tell him a little, tell you a little bit more about himself. Yeah, well, hey guys, and thanks for uh, letting me jump on here. Uh, I am new at the podcast world, but I've got two guys that I love here, so I'm excited to just have a conversation that other people get to turn in, tune into. So I'm, I'm a guy. Man, my my quick story is um, somebody who's been far from the Lord, who's ran in the opposite direction, who was chasing everything the world had to offer, and in God's kindness, He disciplines the one He loves. So I got busted, caught, exposed at an early age to some really bad decisions that led me to being publicly known, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So Jesus has just been kind to me in my life. I, you know, I don't like introducing myself as a campus pastor more than I like just saying I'm a guy who follows Jesus and loves what he's done in my life. I'm a husband of a sweet gal named Allie and a father of two little kiddos, Ramsey and Gunner, and see that as my um, greatest area of ministry in my life. And then I've got some really cool friends that I'm here with today. Heck yeah. Um, so over here next, we have the deep, the beautiful radio voice of Mr. Greg Brooks, who you heard, I believe Let's in episode go. four of season one. Um, but he's in kind of a different place of life. So we're going to let him reintroduce himself. Yeah. Last time I was on the podcast, I was a youth pastor at a church up in Wyoming, Cody, Wyoming, and, uh, loved what I was doing, but really felt the Lord was leading me a different direction. And so we're going to tell you a little bit about the story here in a little bit, but um, cause it's kind of interesting how all of us became friends. Cause actually Quinn met Connor before I ever met Connor, but now I get to work and serve with Connor at the Frisco campus at Watermark community church. And so I've been down here for, uh, eight months and doing a program called the Watermark Institute. And it's just a, a 10 month program to dive into the whole Bible. Uh, we tackle theological principles or theological, uh, doctrines uh, ministry principles and things like that. And so it's been a wonderful season. It's been a growing season for me personally, a healing season. Um, and it's just been really a true joy, but you know what? Uh, I think I prefer the Wyoming life. So as soon as it's done, uh, me and my wife, Bonnie and our kids, Olivia and Boone are going to be heading back up to Wyoming. And, uh, the good news is I'll, this will be the first place I officially announced like broadly, but we are actually planting a church back where we're from. Uh, Outpost Community Church. Yeah, don't go look it up online yet. It's not there. <laughs> Good. Um, but we're working on that. So we're really excited. Excited to be here on the podcast again. Heck yeah. Well, before we dive into the actual issues of the coronavirus and kind of what we can do, how we can be proactive, Connor, why don't you kind of tell the interesting story of how this trio came to be? The people need to know. <laughs> so uh, I'm imagining most people probably haven't met you personally. Uh, but before I ever heard you over a podcast, I saw you in person. We um, so the story of Quinn and I crossing paths, we were at a conference, uh, didn't know each other. We're in a crowd and, uh, I was there with a guy who was uh, a part of the conference. I was just attending like Quinn was. And, uh, as I'm waiting there at the end, I just see this guy, uh, that's got some swag that's standing over there, but standing alone. And, uh, I just thought to myself, Hey, what, what would I want somebody to do if I was here in this kind of large gathering and, was alone. Of course, I'd want somebody to come engage me. So that's all I did. I walked up and introduced myself and had no idea all that God was about to do through that 
short little interaction, but we quickly hit it off, had a lot of things um, in common and similarities and passions. We even um, went to we went to school with a similar kid, right, Gunner? Oh, we got to come back on Gunner. I ended up naming my, my son's name is Gunner, so we'll come back to that one. But that's right. Yeah, so we had some ties. Uh, and then one thing led to another. We got a coffee shortly after that and then just connected uh, and, and kind of kept up over the years. And then through that, uh, Greg Brooks here ended up hearing about what we got going on at Watermark through Quinn, Sharon. Uh, next thing I know, a few months later, this guy Greg from Wyoming shows up. Uh, serving and leading with us and now we've become friends over the last nine months and I'm excited to launch him back to Wyoming and I am looking forward I'm coming I'm heading up there at some point uh, (laughs) boots on the ground in Wyoming well Quinn knows this because he was tracking with me the whole time I applied to Watermark and just really wasn't sure what direction guy was going to take me but uh, when they finally extended an offer to come down to do the program I had in my mind I'm going to come down I'm going to be like Every day, drinking espresso with the Shanes, you know, having daily conversations with Todd Wagner. And uh, then uh, one of our leaders called and said, hey, you're going to be at the Frisco campus. And I acted all, you know, ah, that sounds great. That's exciting. And then I called Quinn like two days later. I was like, man, I got to be at the Frisco <laughs> campus. That's like 20 miles away. <laughs> and, but it's turned out to be awesome because they said, you know, hey, by the way, the you know Frisco campus pastor is a guy named Connor. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. The Lord wants me to be there. And it's been it has been a true joy. It's a sweet time. So from seeing a guy, introducing yourself, uh, chasing a conference where we could learn more and uh, follow Jesus led to a friendship that led to discipleship, to more friendship, to being a part of a church plant. I mean, it's amazing what God does. And then here we are sharing it with others. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, man. And grace abounds because Greg turned in the wrong application a day late and he still got in and now it all worked. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Grace. Not entirely my fault. Yeah, no. And you didn't you fill it out on your phone at your oh, I did. son's basketball game or something? Yeah, it's funny because I've talked to some guys in the program and they agonized over it. And I just like did I like as fast as I could on a cell phone because I was already a day late. And uh, you know, Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is awesome. Well, hey guys, let's just jump in. Um, obviously, there's a, a real pressing issue in our nation right now, um, and where issues kind of press in, it should be where Christians are going out and being more of who God has called them to be. Um, from just like a real, let's zoom out, Google Maps style approach, what is your guys' kind of initial impressions of what's going on in the nation, coronavirus, how the nation's handling it, how the church is handling it, more importantly? Uh, we'll start with you, Connor. What's kind of just your initial impressions of everything that's happening, how that's progressed, and maybe how it's changed? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it's not a national thing. It's the global thing. And so I've never been, none of us probably listening, have been a part of um, pandemic that's going on. Think pan, panoramic, right? When you take that kind of photo, you're seeing all and pan across the entire earth, right? A pantheist, somebody who believes in multiple gods. And so this has impacted our nation, but the entire world. And we're watching something, you know, two weeks ago, we're hearing about Italy and we're hearing about things in um, spreading obviously out of China and you're seeing this thing that feels so distant and then we'll zoom in here in a second and tell you how within 14 days it's drastically changed I mean my life but our lives down here and frankly I think this has touched really everybody on the globe in some way and for most people a significant way and so we've watched um, a lot of people respond and there's some things I want to get to about how I think we should respond, but um, there's been a ton of reaction is probably the better way to say it. Not a lot of response. So a lot of people are seeing something and reacting, and we ought to 
um, set our minds on the things above and let God's word saturate our minds. And hopefully it's been doing that to where when the church responds, it looks and sounds different than the world reacts. Hmm. Very good. Greg, what do you, what do you have to say? Follow that up. Yeah, I think that's the same thing. I mean, you know, you know, seeing it from a personal level, of course, never seen anything like this before. And, you know, thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm a man who lives in a neighborhood that's surrounded by people. Um, prior to uh, this becoming, you know, a, a global um, uh, hot topic or, you know, actually, you know, just a crisis, um, did those, those neighbors know my name? Did I know them? Have I sought to have a relationship with them? And now that this is going on, does it change the way that I need to approach that? Do I need to know my neighbor as a man in this neighborhood who is a means of grace to these people? And that's really what the church is. It's just a means of grace to uh, a local people. And we're here to be on mission to, to make much of Christ to a bunch of people who are hurting already, whether they have the virus or not. Uh, we've you know, heard it said they have the virus of sin. And so, you know, I, I think it, when I think about it, I've been thinking a lot more about, man, this is really exposing to me how um, I need to be a man on mission, whether there's a virus or not. And so that's how I've been processing it personally. Me and my wife have just been talking about how can we do a better job of loving our neighbors, even when sometimes it feels like, you know, you need to distance yourself from them. Mm. How can I step in uh, and love them? And so right now, it looks like right now, inviting our, you know, duplex neighbor over to play games. And she's not sick as far as we can tell, and we're not. So it's like, man, let's just continue to be on mission the best way we can. And and I think podcasts are a way to do that right now. There's a lot of people probably listening to more podcasts than they've ever listened to in their life. And um, so just using the means we have to continue to be a means of grace to people. Go for it, Connor. You got something? Yeah, yeah, I think just going down this path, right, of the coronavirus and what's going on, I'll tell you what has convicted me. This didn't matter a ton to me until... Uh, you know, 10 days ago when it direct directly impacted my life. And I think that's the thing we'll start talking about here more is um, that piece of this. A lot of people um, don't have any level of sympathy or really care or understanding until it hits their, um, their city, their neighborhood, their apartment complex, complex, you know, my house. That's when this became real for me, and that was convicting. And so think about humbled daily, right? And, and I'm sure you use the C.S. Lewis quote all the time, but humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. And we know that Christ wants us to put others' interests before our own. And the, the coronavirus didn't get interesting to me until it affected me, which is not That's the good. way of a Christian and something I needed to repent of. And now that I'm living in and we can talk about all the ways it's affected the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area and have significant impacts on our day-to-day life here right now in Texas, um, you know, let alone New York, which has 15,000 cases, which is 5%, I think, of the entire world's cases. You see what's happening in California. So it's, it's hitting other places hard, too. Um, but what I realized is I was insensitive, unaware, and prideful, not humble when it came to the coronavirus. And... Man, I hope one thing we can do today is encourage what this thing's all about and um, knowing others, right? And other people are experiencing some significant things that I think are worth us tuning into. And I hope we can unpack some of what that is here in the next couple moments. Yeah, man. I love that. So you saying that, Connor, kind of maybe I just pulled up that Martin E. Muller quote. Um, 
Uh, you guys are probably familiar with it, but we'll, I'll say it out loud for anyone who's listening that may not know. It says, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I'm not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist. I did not speak out because I'm not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out because I'm not a Jew. But then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And I think in a lot of ways, exactly like you're talking about, Connor, it's like, yeah. I mean, it didn't didn't matter to me. Dude, I was making jokes about the virus three weeks ago. You know, like I was, right. I was, right. I was getting I ready to capitalize on, yeah, it's like I was getting ready to capitalize on cheap travel plans. And then mm. it was like, <clears throat> yeah, you start to see people you love get affected, and and it, and it, and it kind of touches a wound, right? Um, so how do you guys or Greg? Did you have something to add to that? No, I was just gonna agree. I mean, uh, I was thinking. I, I mean, it's sad to say, but I was thinking, it's like, oh, I'm a young guy. I'm a healthy guy. This is not gonna affect me. I'll probably get it. It'll pass by and not be a big deal. But then, you know, last night we went to go spend some time with my grandmother in the DFW area, and realize like whoa we're bringing our whole family into her house she is very susceptible yeah we need to be conscious of the way that we do this should we even be here but she i mean of course is she's been home alone because she's nervous about going out can't get food and so um you know she's afraid she's gonna get sick and so we're coming in there and she just she she was willing to risk it because she just wanted to see people so it just man it really transformed the way i thought about it uh, yesterday and i mean it's been going on for weeks now and it wasn't until yesterday that i realized wow um, I've got a part to play in this. That's so good. So how do you guys, so I think you guys have, we talked a little before this was rolling that we have a little bit different perspective. So I'm in Wyoming. We're two to three weeks behind everything the nation does. And then you guys are in Dallas, which is like the front lines of a lot of what is going on. Um, so how do we as Christians, how do we as people, how do we as human beings in, in, in our call to decrease proximity to each other, how do we simultaneously grow together and grow closer? Because that's kind of the conundrum that a lot of us are facing, right? Yeah, it's that's it. So how do we grow together? I, um, I, I was at a funeral two weeks ago um, as this was kind of breaking, drove up to Oklahoma and was sitting there. This was the first funeral personally I had been to that um, it was a guy who died from really old age, right? I've been to some over cancer. I've been to some other funerals, um, police officer getting shot, different things where it's kind of abrupt. This was the first one where a guy had lived his life since he was 26 faithfully. And, um, I got to see and sit there and watch, you know, folks who, uh, this guy impacted their life. Right. And it was not, uh, it was, it was not the things we already know to be true. It was not what he drove. It wasn't the stuff he had. You know, it wasn't the job title. He owned businesses, all that kind of stuff. None of that is what people talked about at his funeral. What they talked about at his funeral was the way that he personally loved and cared for. And in this season, it's a great season, if we let it be, to slow down and to think about stuff. And what I had, you know, just personally been journaling through that, and what I journaled with my staff, I go, just, uh, guys, think about the last conversation you had with every person. Think about every text thread if you read through and if that was the last conversation you had with that person, would you like how that conversation ended? Because at this funeral, people were getting up and sharing, let me just read to you the last letter I got from this guy, and they would read it. And let me share with you the last text message I got from this guy, and they would read it. And you see, those are the kind of things that impact people. God designed us for relationship. And um, we have an amazing opportunity, I think, right now to maybe slow down. If we let this opportunity let us slow down, and um, think through relationships. Part of the best thing I think we can do to draw closer right now to answer your question is there's probably some ways each of us need to pick up the phone and ask for some forgiveness over some things. Hmm. And uh, 
and then we'll, we'll get into some other stuff we can do. But I, I really think um, letters, you know, when's the last time we hand, uh, you know, wrote a letter to somebody that we care about, telling them how much we care about them and telling them that we're thankful for them and being grateful for the things they've done in our lives. I mean, that's the kind of people um, that Christ wants us to be. When Christ left abruptly in the eyes of right his followers, it wasn't abrupt for him. He told them, tried to tell them multiple times, hey, this is about to happen. Uh, but it impacted him. And why it impacted because he spent time and loved them. And so I know right now, uh, you know, if, if we want to go there for us, you know, this, this phrase, social distancing is a new reality. And for some folks, it maybe hasn't got there yet. But uh, yesterday in the afternoon, Dallas County um, issued a, um, a, a thing where people, it's called shelter in place which I thought was only a term used when there's a shooter in a building, but apparently has a broader you know, use than that. And it just means nobody can leave their homes right now in Dallas unless they're going for something essential like groceries or medical, or at least their um, job or business is something the government's kind of qualified as something essential for really the, the <laughs> Dallas area to keep going. So most people right now in Dallas County can't leave their homes. Okay, that's how um, big this thing has gotten. Our lead pastor, Todd, was telling us the other day, we just got all together um, over like a FaceTime type of application just with the staff and was sharing about how in Israel, you know, um, which is another place, there's folks, um, their quarantining is not even with family, but into um, certain quadrants of their home where they don't come into any interaction with anybody else. So that's the reality of this thing uh, across the globe. And, and, you know, it's hit us here in Dallas and in those significant ways in the last 24 to, you know, hours to 10 days. Hmm. Man, absolutely. Anything to add to that, Greg? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really good. I mean, one thing is, and we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, is it's just really starting to show, you know, how much we took for granted all the opportunities we had to meet together. And, you know, there's so many people saying, uh, you know, they've been on social, like I've, I was on social media, I was on like Instagram the other day and it could like, it was barely moving and it wasn't just because of my internet. I think everybody like on a Saturday night was just scrolling through Instagram or Netflix and all this stuff and it's just bogging everything down because nobody knows what to do. But people eventually are going to, they get to the end of that and they're like, man, I just want to hang out with people. And I remember uh, I went to Walmart with my daughter and as we were driving out, it was like a 1950s movie. There were dozens and dozens of families out on walks. And I just thought, that is amazing. Like this thing is forcing us inside and we get to our limit and we say, you know what, let's just go for a walk and everyone's getting outside. And so as a being down here in Dallas has been a great exposure to me uh, to see, you know, at, especially at a church where we value community and we say, Hey, isolation um, is not good. And so how do we overcome this and help people still stay connected when, you know, they're not supposed to be connected because it makes things dangerous. And so uh, this is again, uh, I mean, just a, you know, whether this is in step with where we're headed or not, I think it's just a, a good thing to say, you know, the church should be relevant and innovative and we should be thinking, like, hey, how can we take advantage of what we have right now to uh, love people and keep them connected because connection is so important. Like I said about my grandmother, she just was ready to see some people and spend time mm-hmm. together. And um, I, I mean, I was, I was texting somebody today and just saying like, man, I am feeling a need for some people. And uh, it makes me think about how I was complaining about people, you know, a month ago, like, oh, I just need some time alone. You know, and that that might have been true at the time, but just starting to see, hey, wow, how do we start taking steps to keep people connected uh, and keep being the church 
um, in this area. That's so good. Yeah, I think so. C.S. Lewis famously said that uh, pain's like a megaphone, right? So this pandemic is kind of acting like a mirror, I think, in a lot of ways to us to what maybe we didn't have the time or the margin to slow down and think of like, man, what really does feed me? What really does help me grow? And I think I know I agree with all you guys of like, man, like I go stir crazy and I'm hyperactive as it is. And so it's like I was just I went and I was bored the other way so other day so I just went out and drove a four-wheeler around the neighborhood and again like, like you said Greg I saw probably like 15 families out going for a walk I was talking to someone the other day that saw kids playing kickball in the street yeah you know like well, I mean when, that like when I was a kid it's funny as a few weeks ago I went up to uh, Wichita Falls Texas because I spent about five years there and I went and saw the neighborhoods that I lived in because I was, I was a kid and we drove in and the neighborhoods were just dead quiet. This is about, you know, three weeks ago. But I told my wife, I was like, man, we used to just run all over this neighborhood. I remember my mom, like you would know your uh, friend's parents' whistle. Like you'd be down the street and you'd hear a whistle and be like, oh, hey, man, your, mo- your mom's that's calling Johnny. You. Johnny's yeah, got to go. <laughs> he's got to go home. <laughs> that's, that's Johnny's dad. Yeah. And, but then since then, it, everybody was in, like been inside. I mean, I know that's a running joke and we're three young guys on a podcast. But to sound like a Vietnam vet right now, I would say like, it hasn't been like that for a while. And it is, I would say this has kind of been a, uh, you know, if you can say this, and I'm not trying to say sound insensitive, but this has been a blessing for a lot of people because they're getting a lot more time with their dad or a lot more time with their kids. And they're going out on walks and doing things that, man, we just haven't done in a long time. Uh, so I thought it was funny. And I also thought it was funny when you mentioned four-wheeling around the neighborhood that Connor looked at me because... We don't do that down here. <laughs> you can't do that in the city. You got to go out. You got to drive 30 minutes to get on your four-wheeler. Man, don't visit Wyoming, Connor. You'll never leave, man. I know it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, let's dive in. I liked kind of the the path that Connor was taking about. Um, in a lot of ways, a lot of us have never been more available than we are right now, as far as maybe not in person, but we have the margin to reach out and to be. And I was just journaling this past week about um, – kind of exactly what you were just talking about, which is cool, Connor. I I wrote down, we will be remembered for how we were available. Right. And so how do we, how do we in that, like, what are some proactive things that we can be doing, um, to be available for people, even though maybe we can't be there in person, um, to encourage, to equip, to help. What are some things that maybe Watermark's doing some things that, um, you guys see, we have the opportunity to be about right now. Well, let me say something real quick is that, so as funny as I think it was last week, uh, Connor sent out an email and I was joking with somebody about it because, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, we, we can't meet on Sundays. We can't gather together as uh, God's people on a Sunday. And I, I thought instantly when I got that news, I was like, okay, sweet. I'm going to sleep in. I get to be, you know, here. Because usually as a Frisco campus, we, um, we set up at a high school, which means being in there early, setting things up. So, I mean, it's, it's not like showing up, turning the lights on, you know, turning the soundboard on. Here we go. Um, it's, it's quite an effort. And I've, I was thinking, like, man, um, I'm just thankful to sit at my house in my PJs. And we got an email from Connor, and it was a very Connor email, but I, I really appreciated it because it basically just said, I mean, uh, you can speak more to it, Connor, but basically, like, hey, if you're rejoicing that we're not getting to meet together uh, as a church, you're missing what this what it means to be the church. We should be loving getting together. We should miss each other because this is our time to gather and rejoice over who our God is. And if you're excited to just be at home in your underwear, I think you're missing the point. I also asked you to repent in that email, so I think it sounds like you have. But uh, <laughs> but it's genuine. So here's the, and I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question. But here's the verse that drove that email, which is First Thessalonians two eight, and it says, "So being affectionately desirous of you, 
we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And I just said, I was teaching on this at our church a couple of weeks back and just said, it's a tell if um, that you're not loving people in the way that God wants you to love them. If God could rip you out of your city tomorrow, and what would you instantly be sad about? And if it's not, man, the people I'm laboring with, the people that I'm serving, the people I've poured my heart out to, I don't get to be with anymore. In our city, it looks like, man, my job, I'm going to lose my career ladder that I was climbing, my kids' sports and the private lessons they were getting, the education track they were on. Um, those would be the things that people would first go to. And I just said, man, Paul was ripped out of Thessalonica, if you know the context there, and he longed. Um, to be with him. And I just said, if, if we're apart, and it was funny because it was a week before, or maybe two weeks before all this happened. And next thing you know, we got ripped out of Thessalonica, if you will, a little bit. We got ripped out of our ability to see one another. And if our first instance was, or our first reaction was, um, man, I, I get to do less, you know, uh, there's some reality to that because it's some hard work we're doing down here physically just to get ready, right? Uh, but it, I mean, even then, if you compare, if you read what people do across the world to be together and the, the miles they walk. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a humbling thing, but anyways, so that's where that was, uh, driven out of. And, uh, what I would to, to kind of get back to your question, I think we're going down of, Hey, what do we do? Right. I think there's enough out there as far as how to think about this. I think by now, um, I think the questions moved into, we understand, as believers to trust in the Lord, we understand there's no legitimate reason to be afraid, right? I was in Psalm 46 this morning. Read that. And um, that verse we all know out of there, be still and know that I am God, is not a comforting verse in moments where we're um, confused. That's God reminding you he controls everything in the world. He tells it when to stop, right? So, okay, we, we've got the Lord of host with us. We, okay, we know that now. Uh, we know Jesus in Luke 8 and the disciples were facing legitimate danger, when they were on that boat and the storm came in, but it wasn't a legitimate reason to be afraid. So we as believers, since we believe in a sovereign God who's also good and loving, and he's proven to that to us through what he did on the cross, that um, no matter what we face, he's allowing us to face it and we face it with him. So we trust all that. We know all that by now. I think there's a lot of good, you know, other guys who can articulate that in a lot better ways than I can. But the question now really is what you're asking. Hey, what do we do? What are some action steps of uh, the Christian faith is a faith of action. It's one that started, right? And we know that we're not saved by actions. We're saved by faith through grace alone, but um, a saving faith always um, isn't alone and absent without works. And so you get to work. That's what James is talking about in um, James two. And he even talks in there how to handle, if you're not responding to people who have legitimate needs, don't say that the love of God is in you. You know, that's what James 2 is talking about. Okay, so now how do we live out this faith that we know is supposed to move us towards people? So a few things, we can kind of go back and forth, but um, a few things we're practically doing is, uh, one, we're calling people, okay? Uh, every member in our body right now is getting a phone call from a staff member, and and we are what um, the phrase we do not like to use just because of how most people define it is uh, a mega church. So we have over 8,000 members and a lot more than that that show up on a weekend. Um, but every single f person that God has given underneath our elders leadership to give an account for before God, we're making sure we talk to them um, in the next two days and just checking in and 
asking questions and making sure they don't need us to check in. And I think that's the key is uh, they should have already been taken care of because of the way that we kind of think membership matters and the way there's community and they're already surrounded by folks. And so we're just making sure that um, their church hasn't stopped being the church together. Meaning not, not because we're not here on Sundays, but the folks that you do life with every day, we just want to make sure you've got all you need and we're, we're fanning into the church that's meeting. So very practical phone calls, you know, just checking in with people, having conversations is one easy way. Um, and I'll say a few more things. I'll let one of you guys or, or Greg's down here. So uh, anything else you've seen just as far as practical steps believers can take right now with what we're facing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Acts 2028. Uh, we want to just pay careful attention to the flock, to ourselves and to the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made us overseers. Uh, and this is the church that Christ has bought with his blood. He went to a great length. He went a great distance to lower himself to get us, to receive us, even though we were separated from him. There was, we social distance ourselves from the Lord, and yet he closed the gap by uh, being, you know, God's propitiation that he put forward on the cross by his blood. And so, you know, we want to do the best we can to do that. And, you know, we're in a, I mean, if there's going to be a pandemic in the world, like what better time in the world than now? Or, you know, because uh, we do have phones, we have the internet, we have podcasts. And so I think a lot of ways um, we're blessed uh, to have a really amazing team who can uh, take advantage of platforms like that to reach our people. Um, they've made, I mean, everything from kids kits, which is just um, full of amazing playlists where the kids can listen to music. Uh, songs that glorify the Lord, they're full of scripture, that parents can do studies with them. We, we still do church online on Sundays, we're, or not church, but we try to do you know, services where we can hear teaching God's word kind of you know, expounded. Uh, we, uh, you know, we're doing, I mean, some of our ministries are still going. I'm part of a ministry here at uh, Watermark. I'm a participant in it called uh, Re-Engage. And so me and uh, a few other couples, we get to circle up and we were, man, we were pouring into each other's marriages and and being encouraged towards Christ in our marriages the other night, um, just sitting on the couch and connecting with these guys. And there was a real sense of community as we connected with them. It's not quite as good as sitting you know, person to person, but we're just not letting anything stop us from being the church. And we're using all the tools that we have and taking advantage of it. Yeah. And here's what I, man, I see as part of um, what we can do. I think not um, killing the fake relationships right now, or at least acknowledging what's real and what isn't. And this is where I think, why I kept saying earlier, if we let this slow us down, I think that's the memo we're hearing a lot, that this is, um, right, there's a lot of pain that's coming, and there's a lot of hurt. Um, But also, man, there's also some opportunity for us um, to spend more time doing things we know we ought to be doing. And what I would tell you is I think more people probably the kind of folks that are listening to this right now are spending more, you know, their screen time has increased. It hasn't decreased in the last week. And, um, and I would just tell you social media, I mean, you can study the trends. It's part of the problem in the sense that it makes people feel like they have genuine, real, authentic relationships that aren't genuine, real, authentic relationships. So it's an amazing tool, great outlet, but it's a supplement. And if it becomes your main source of nutrition in regard to relationships, that's being exposed. And so I think one of the greatest things you can do right now is um, look at yourself in the eyes and just go, man, where, uh, where are my relationships actually? And am I creating the kind of friendships I want to be a part of? And am I an online over the email and over FaceTime kind of guy? Or am I a show up at your door 
lay my life down. I'll see you in person kind of, you know, guy or gal. And I think, um, knowing that when this thing gets lifted is going to help you, right? Kind of hit reset and force you. But other practical things, I mean, truly, genuinely, one of the ways right now for us to serve people in our context is stay home. We, we aren't, um, it, and it's hard, man. I saw a, a picture of a doctor the other day and it just had a little tagline on there like, hey, I'm, I'm not uh, staying home so you can right? The doctors are showing up and I'd say pastors a little bit too are on the move and and doing things, but that's to serve people. And the way you can serve them is stay home. And the way they serve you is by getting out of the house. But for most of us, uh, as much as we don't want to, I think all three of us talking right now are kind of active guys and like going and doing things. And um, it's not easy to stay home and uh, choose to serve others by um, flattening the curve, which is the term we're in the middle of right now. So that's, I mean, that's a genuine way. And I think, um, that, that we're serving people, you know, a a practical one is, um, the district in Frisco right now is, uh, closed. The governor of Texas has made all schools close and some other things for the next couple of weeks. And we've got thousands of kids here in our context who are food deprived or food insecure rather. And, uh, means they can't, you know, get access to affordable, nutritious food, then they require, they, um, not require, they, they live in dependence on the district when they show up to school to get food. And they usually get food to sit home with them on the weekends. And uh, that's one practical way we're about to tackle. There's a lot of people tackling that where we're just going to help serve uh, because it's hard. When you go to the grocery, st- uh, grocery store right now, I kid you not, I went yesterday and there was one thing of eggs, which I bought and then looked at my receipt. They were $7.00. And uh, meaning everyone else took the cheap ones. And then you look down the can aisle and it is completely empty. And it's the most bizarre thing if you guys aren't experiencing that yet in your cities where people have just absolutely freaked out. And so part of how you serve others is when you go to a store, uh, get what you need for your family in this moment. Don't get what you think you need for three months. You know, uh, the government, government is literally asking us not to take more than what you need. Okay, so if we're Israel right now, God's going to provide for us today. Eat what you need today. He's going to provide for you again tomorrow. Part of we as believers, we ought to be the people, frankly, taking the least amount from grocery stores. Because we we don't think you need to uh, show some level of spirituality by fasting for 40 days. Uh, But we do think your spirituality plays out in how you're uh, just wise in how you approach that. So those are ways that the world's not, or um, people aren't going to look around and go, look what this church is doing. It's amazing, right? Those are just ways that followers of Christ, you know, kind of behind closed doors, if you will, are going to live their faith out. That's going to have a significant impact over time if we all live that way. Hmm. Absolutely. I believe in the Bible, that's called the parable of the rich fool, right? The guy that stores up in his storehouse. Um, But in a lot of ways, like, so how are we I don't know. So how as a Christians, what can we go out? I know that in a lot of really cool ways, like the history of like the genesis of so much good in our country, in the world and all those things is Christians being the hands and feet 
being on the ground, feet on the ground in times like this, right? Like even down to like the fact down in Dallas, especially most hospitals are named after some religious organization that was doing something that involved health that then created a movement and really worked to help people down to Mother Teresa where she was just spending time, right? And like putting herself in danger, quote unquote, to do these things. And so I really like how you said, like, I think a lot of my mind immediately goes to like, how can I go out and be and how can I go out and help and how can I fix this? And I really like where you're heading with that, Connor, of like, man, a big way to serve is to listen to the authorities and like, stay home and like, be humble, understand, stay there. And so guys, what can we, how, I think in a lot of ways, I kind of liked you were touching on this a little bit, both of you. I think in a lot of ways, this, this pressing that's happening right now is a litmus test of a lot of things. And one of those things I think is a litmus test of if, if your faith left when the building closed, as far as your church goes, there may be some soul searching that needs to go on there. So can you guys talk a little bit more about, I know Watermark is so community focused and, and you guys even did what would be called almost a trial run, right? Of like, you guys didn't have church like a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. which right. They say leaders live in the future. And so that's pretty cool to see that the leaders that you guys are being governed by are doing such a good job there. Um, But you guys had where you didn't meet as a large body, quote unquote, but you met in your community groups that are the churches. We're called to be a kingdom of priests. So can you talk a little bit about maybe equipping people of like, hey, it doesn't mean we give up on meeting together as some of us in the habit of doing, right? And so how how can we do that, spur each other forward, uh, caveat, if we are healthy, right? We're not going to put other people in danger. But how are you guys seeing that take place and happen right now that could be helpful to people listening? Yeah, and so just to, um, what happened there, uh, a few months ago that you were referring to is our, our leadership just decided, hey, we're not going to gather on a Sunday right now because one, um, we, we think the church has some pretty specific conna- commands in scripture. They're kind of called the one another's, which is when God tells us how we ought to interact with one another as believers. And a lot of those um, don't happen in the context of a large gathering on Sunday morning. We know why there's the ecclesia or the gathering um, of the folks who are called out that need to get together and rightfully sit underneath the teaching of um, biblical uh, truth and rightfully need to worship and remind ourselves through songs and different things like that. But that's not the end of the church. It's really the start. And we think what the church ought to do is uh, be living out the Great Commission, which says, go therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, you know, when Jesus tells his guys, hey, you're going to follow me, you're going to become a fisher of men, right? And so we just said, hey, we're, we're here to love and serve people. So we're going to take a Sunday off uh, from gathering together so you can spend your Sunday inviting your neighbors into your home on a Sunday morning, host them, make them food or snacks, um, catch up, get to know one another, and then let them know, hey, um, here's here's just who I am and what I believe. And if there's anything I can ever do to serve you, if you ever have questions, ask me. So we didn't gather for a Sunday and all of our body, every member did that. And so what we didn't know is in a few months, we wouldn't be able to get together. And what we were doing is we were preparing our body and training them of how to respond. And so uh, that, that's kind of what happened there. But for us, getting more into that, yeah, we, we don't see, I mean, com- membership in a lot of places, right, which is kind of a buzzword because when you see member in Scripture, you see it really only in the context in 1 Corinthians 12 and other places talking about being a member of the body, just being connected in a way where you're fully known and cared for and shepherded and loved. And for most people, the extent of, quote-unquote, membership in a church is a show up, and um, maybe, you know, not a lot of people stream, or I just went through a class at one point, or I signed something at some time. Mm-hmm. 
and it's not an ongoing relationship. And so um, part of what, what we kind of do to execute on what we feel like God calls every follower of Christ to do is we form people into local um, churches, if you will, into local community groups where there's people who just kind of look across the table at each other and go, okay, we're going to be committed to one, one another and um, caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens and um, encouraging one another all the more. You know, Hebrews 10, 24, you alluded to a moment ago, we're going to consider how to stir one another up to good love and good deeds. And we're going to meet and we're not just going to do a once a week thing. We're going to live life on life relationships. And uh, we're seeing the strength of that today. We've, we've boasted at times about, uh, hey, we think if, if we had to go, quote unquote, underground as a church here in America, our, our church, nothing would, not a ton would change for us. It wouldn't be super damaging. We think the way we're doing church today would, would only thrive in that scenario. And we're seeing that to be true right now. And every one of our members feels cared for. And in some ways, um, they're feeling that weight a little more of, okay, I, I, I am a leader. I am part of the royal priesthood. I am called to go do something, not just the people on my church staff and who have titles or have the label pastor, but God calls me to go do this. And um, man, we're, we're already hearing an amazing stories the way God's using people. But this is kind of the, uh, I think the paradox, and you kind of hit on it earlier. We do have a bone in us that, that is action-driven and moved towards people. And this is an interesting time because really to honor what you said, authorities, and frankly, to really serve people and uh, slow down the spread of what's happening is to stay home. So what are we supposed to do if we're supposed to stay home, but yet we want to move towards people? And so it's kind of knowing where the boundary is of what sort of things, no matter what's going on, you got to move towards. And this isn't like a life or um, you know, death situation for most people, but for some people it is. If you are studying the coronavirus and those of you know, the older age or underlying health issues, they're vulnerable. So you, in your action to go um, kind of feel like you're being spiritual by doing something with your hands in the way we typically think about that, you're actually potentially doing something that's literally life-threatening to people. So to serve others, we are to slow down and stay back. And that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow while also um, I think it's a great opportunity. Some of those things I mentioned earlier, phone calls, emails, or handwritten letters, right? And in some ways we're doing some of the stuff with the grocery stores and buying food for people who don't have food. And we're going to drop that off at a certain place. But outside of that, you know, um, I think we're learning, uh, what do we, what do we really think about? We haven't hit this yet about prayer. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> do you really think that's a way to serve people? And is it effective? And we all know what we should say. But I think um, our orthopraxy now is being tested a little bit. And I would tell you, this is a great chance for believers to serve the world through prayer. And in some ways, it's almost like God's doing everything he can, or at least allowing this um, and having some redemptive value to it, to forcing us to think that just by doing stuff. And a lot of times I think we do stuff without prayer and really, frankly, keep God out of the work. Um, he's just going, guys, remember me, seek me, trust me. And you can't really, you know, we've been reading the power through prayer. Um, there's a quote in there that just says, before you move the people to God, you've got to move God to the people. And that only happens through prayer. Proverbs 16, three, just commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And so if there's anything to be learned right now, it's the value of relationships and 
the importance of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, like, so what are some things, we'll start with you, Greg, but what are some things, um, what are some redemptive qualities that you guys do see coming out of this? I think it's interesting that I had made the note in my journal. I heard it from someone. I didn't do the research myself, um, but I went and did it on the back end that I think there was 11 to 12 books or high volume topics released on the importance of restfulness Mm -hmm. at the beginning of 2020. Um, and I think it's unique. It seems that God kind of works countercultural and that's a very countercultural idea right now to actually rest and to slow down, to create margin, to be available. Um, so what are some of the redemptive qualities kind of obviously with some of that stuff and maybe some more specific things that you guys can see really coming out of this and some fruit that can be bore, um, from a trial really that's happening in our nation, in our world. Yeah, you know, I think one thing is, and it, it shouldn't be new to believers, but, you know, Jesus says in John fifteen five, abide in me and I in you. Um, apart from me, you, can, you know, you cannot bear fruit. You can't do anything. And um, he is the vine. You are the branches. And so it's just this idea that I think we've been trying to find life in a lot of different things. And there's been a lot of distractions, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I've had a lot of friends say, hey, man, I've got a lot more time to read my Bible and to journal in the mornings. I've had extended time is what they've been calling it. And they just talked about how fruitful that's been, how sweet that's been. And, um, the, you know, the uh, you know, thing I would tell them is like, hey, that's offered to you even when there's no coronavirus. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get up a little earlier, you can have more of that time. And, you know, I think that has been some of the absolutely the fuel uh, of my fire has been the time I spend with Jesus. I realize I can't do anything. And, you know, kind of what Connor was talking about, I've, I've really been driven to prayer a lot more in this season because I can't do as much. I can't go meet with the person, talk with the person. I can only make so many phone calls. You know, I've got my kids in the next room and there might be some discipline issue. And okay, now do I do this work or do I go help my wife? And, and just realizing, man, I, I, I do need to slow down. So I think that's one thing is, I mean, devoting daily to God's word and to prayer and being more prayerful and trusting God because I can't go out and just like heal coronavirus by going door to door. I could just make it worse. Um, but the other thing uh, and I just, I just kind of lost it, <laughs> but the, Oh, the other thing is kind of what we talked about earlier is just, I've had a lot of great time with my family and I'm just seeing there's a lot of people are getting more time with their families. Now there's been a negative side of that. We've seen a lot of, I mean, truly just found out this morning and I don't know how accurate this is, but there's been more, uh, domestic violence. I mean, I think there's a lot more people around them. So people who are apart from God doing what people apart from God, you know, do, um, it's growing and being magnified. But I think there's also, uh, you know, I think people who love the Lord getting more time with their kids. And I know that my daughter, there's been times where she just needs more time with her daddy and I've been getting more time with her and it's been sweet just hanging out. And I mean, I mean, just to be very candid, like uh, my daughter can sometimes wear me out because she, she talks just as much as I do, if not 10 times more. (laughs) And, uh, and I love her to death and getting more time with her. I've just noticed that her whole demeanor has changed. And uh, I just, it's just kind of exposed to me like, wow, I need more time with my kids and more time mm-hmm. with my wife. And so I've had a little more extra, extra time in the mornings where I can spend time with them and I'm there when they get up. And I told my wife, I was like, man, I, to be honest, like I'm just surprised at how much it affects our family that I'm just there in the morning spending time with them. And so that has been a secret blessing for my family. But again, like I said, driving through my neighborhood and seeing 1950s, you know, black and white movie playing out where, you know, dozens of people are walking around and going on walks and, uh, it's been, it's been, I think that's another thing that's been a blessing in this. Yeah. And mm. I, I would tell you, um, 
maybe maybe one of the greatest ways to serve and where's some of the redemptive value is mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep mm. and um if you're in a state where and i mean if you're just at a place that isn't affected right now to the depth that this is affecting a lot of people in the world and you've got an opportunity to sit in that with them and we're not always called to rush in and fix things and when we try to do that usually god reminds us we can't fix things Uh, but we can have compassion and be empathetic Mm -hmm. and so we've got folks in our body who have lost their job you know and uh who've lost their small business who have worked for a lot of time, we're talking earlier, you're in medical school and uh, you're like, I don't know when I'm ever going to finish this thing. And then after that, when do you work? And and after that, how much is the economy kind of going to be affected to where how realistic is it to get a job and open up a practice? I mean, there's this is affecting people in a lot of significant ways. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're doing what we can with some of these you know, canned foods and we're going to share with kids who need food. But a lot of people, the practical thing they need is for you to just sit with them through it and understand it's Mm. hard and to shut up and listen and just mourn with them that this is hard. People have lost loved ones. And so when they read that stuff, a lot of people are tweeting and memes they're putting on. That's not a blessing to them. This is a real thing for people. And uh, so I would would encourage, if you want to serve people, figure out who's affected and weep with them and um, send them a note and write them and um, you know sit in pain with people and sing psalms to them remind them why they can trust God and be there There, there's not a lot physically you can rush out and do and so maybe if God's (laughs) teaching his church something right now maybe at large globally um, it's just that that they they Christians humans I don't need you, but I will choose to use you. And you can't fix some of these things, but you can show up. And, and even right now, I'm not going to let you physically show up. So that way you've got no other reason not to show up in somebody's life through a phone call or through a letter and um, learn to care what's going on in their world. So if you, and you mentioned it earlier, and, and so did we, of this thing, I didn't frankly care. And that's, that's a, I'm saying that pretty strong. It just didn't impact me. I wasn't thinking about it at a time when I was reading about what was going on across the world and then until it showed up in my backyard. And that is sin. That is a lack of compassion for people. And I, I think that if anybody's trying to figure out through this podcast, what do I do? I mean, do that, okay? And, uh, and honestly, stay home. That's what is gonna help us get this through this thing quicker as we slow the curve and honor authorities and um, listen to what God would have us do. Hmm. And I think too, we touched on this pre-call, but it's like, if, if, even if you're not directly impacted by the virus here, like you're not ill, people's businesses are shutting down. People's lives are changing. I think hundreds of thousands of people have lost their jobs mm-hmm. um, as a, as a reaction to what has happened in this virus. And so not staying home, not abiding by what's happening, not having compassion for people, um, across all domains is is having a huge effect and saying a lot about where our hearts lie, I think. Um, Connor, I want to kind of pitch this at you, something yep. that Greg was kind of talking about. Um, <clears throat> is how, how, how is this confronting? Let's, let's target fathers. Let's talk fathers. 
how is this directly confronting maybe let's say a father who now has increased time at home maybe he doesn't have to go into the office doesn't have to work and he's finding that he's having a hard time relating to his children or his wife now in the increase in time um what is that saying as like how can we we challenge them how can we help them how can we come in knowing that that is to be their primary ministry and maybe this time is is exploiting that it hasn't been over the last 10 years yeah great question i mean it's kind of twofold i think you put sinners uh together with more sinners right you may have a little more butting heads you put stressful times again for us it may be more of an inconvenience for some people listening for others it's been disruptive to their life and so you're going through some of the lives hardest moments but i think what you're asking is hey um people who frankly have just abandoned their um Primary Outpost, shout mm-hmm. out to Outpost Community Church. <laughs> if they've abandoned <laughs> that that primary spot, okay, people people harp on guys with my title a lot, uh, pastors, and how they'll um, cheat on their wives with the ministry. And I would just tell you, quit making that for pastors. That's guys cheat on their wives with work. And our paycheck may quote unquote come from ministry, but it's not any more evil when a pastor does that than another follower of Christ who works in the business world. And, uh, and both should be rightfully rebuked. And, um, what I would tell some guys, uh, need to work less. Some people right now, frankly, need to work more. And so, uh, again, a lot of people aren't thinking there's a lot of folks who have to double down right now and uh, to really serve people or to really um, keep businesses afloat so they can keep their employees employed and they can, uh, you know, keep uh, their business alive. And that's appropriate in seasons maybe to work a little more. Uh, But if the overall state of you has been absent from where God has called you to be, I think it looks like repentance. It looks like good boundaries. Hopefully you've got people in your life who already know that about you and are holding you accountable and God's word is dwelling in them richly so they're teaching and admonishing you. But if that's not part of your story, you need to get that famous proverb of iron sharpens iron in your life so people cannot um, just help you through these season, however long it's going to be, where it's exposed um, and you maybe spend more time with your family like you should. But what's going to happen in two months or three months or whenever this kind of changes and you go right back to what it was. And so, uh, man, I think we, we sit, you know, to use, um, a guy that I love and the way he talks about this is that kids spell, um, they spell, they spell love T I M E, right? It just, time is the currency of how you invest with people in general, not just kids, but that's a great reminder. And hopefully guys, um, you know, it's hard for guys cause they don't, you can go to work and gals, uh, you go to work and that's where you get a lot of praise. That's where you get success. That's where, uh, you're getting a lot of pats on the back. And at home, usually you're taking the brunt of everybody's maybe frustration or it's where you really lay your life down. You're not getting that a boys. You're not getting celebrated. You're not getting promotions. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they don't really care how you're doing at work. You know, your kids just want to know how you're going to sit down on the floor and play Legos. That's right. And, and so, man, I think it's a, uh, it's a good time to reprioritize and especially for people and families. Right. And so, uh, nobody, unless you're coming back to the country in certain countries is isolated to their room alone. That's happening in a few spots, but most people as they're quarantining or social distancing are allowed to still be with family in every capacity. And, and how amazing is that, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't, you're being drafted to war right now and you're gone. You're being 
sentenced to your home to stay Hmm. and take advantage of that. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's obviously, uh, you know, our priorities, you talked about that in a minute, like they have to be reevaluated. When you're going home and you're seeing, man, and you're being exposed that, you know, your heart is not, is kind of ill towards your kids and your kids are frustrating you and you and your wife are now at odds. Just kind of seeing like, man, when we get around each other, it just escalates and makes things worse. You should be looking back at your priorities of the past several years or whatever that's kind of led to this. And then also reevaluating what should be my priorities now as I'm going forward. And obviously when you're at home, expectations need to be communicated. So I'd tell guys, honestly, practically, you need to talk about expectations with your spouse or with your kids. You need to reevaluate your expectations. If you're expecting to get the same amount of work done at your house, um, if you're the only one who lives there, maybe yes. Uh, but if you have a family there who doesn't care about your emails, who's not caring about that, they just want to know if you'll pour them another bowl of, you know, uh, you know, Lucky Charms or something like that. Cocoa you're just, Puffs. Cocoa Puffs. That's what I was going with, but I couldn't remember what it was. I was about to say Choco Puffs, but that doesn't sound right. Peanut butter Captain Crunch, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you gotta, you're going to have to talk more, not less. You're going to have to have communication. You're going to talk about expectations. You need to really, I would say, I've been assessing what are my priorities and how do I uh, go about those. And then I think the whole church, this is something I was thinking about, and it kind of takes us back, but kind of moves us forward of, we as a church got to really think again about our priorities because like, I, like we talked about, I think we really set up, Watermark has really set up its people well to walk through a season like this to where you can have men who are going to come and say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to sharpen you. You know, I've got a hoodie that says iron sharpens iron on the back. And, you know, uh, I, I've heard a lot of men talk about iron sharpening iron. I think we really love that verse. It sounds really amazing, but I don't really know a lot of men who are being sharpened by anybody because they don't take any criticism from anybody and they're kind of isolated and alone. And he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment. And so, you know, we need, as the church, need to start investing more in getting people in communities where they're going to be fully known and fully loved, um, where we love you enough that we're going to speak the truth in love um, so that when, hey, you are kind of a butt towards your kids and we see it because we're around you enough to see that, hey, you're not... Uh, you can put up a front on Sunday, but you know Monday through Friday we're saying, hey, you're not quite uh, the man of God that you act like you are, but we don't say that to you because we don't like you. We say it to you because we love you. Um, I think we need to start assessing that community is so essential and so important and valued, and we're feeling that now, uh, but man, could we better shepherd our men and our women and our children um, if we're ready uh, uh, to uh, for situations like this? And I mean, Coronavirus is, coronavirus is something that we didn't expect. I think all of us, I mean, as young guys, we've, we've probably thought, you know, could we go through a World War III? Is some, could something like that happen again? And I mean, absolutely. I think about that more than I ever think about a pandemic of like, yeah, this could happen. There could be a day when the church needs to be driven underground. Am I ready for that? Are churches ready for that? Local gatherings, are they preparing their people to be in that place? Uh, I think we need to start making that more of a priority, not because, you know, this current election or anything like that, just seeing that, it is so important, and it's a part of uh, God's kingdom, is us being with other human beings filled with Christ. Is this a good moment of introspection, you think, for pastors across the globe to really evaluate that? Like, are my churches actually in community? Because I know, like, it's basically, it's a requirement almost to be a member at Watermark, correct? That yeah. you're in community? Yeah, it's it's what we would say. We, we can't shepherd you in the way God wants us to shepherd you unless mm-hmm. there's people in your life who know you fully. So for us to do... Because all we want to do is care for you, set you up for discipleship and for health and for moments of your hardest journey to be 
those burdens to be bared and for moments in your most exciting for those to be celebrated and we want to call you in so yeah you've got to be in community you've got to live in relationships for us to know if we as the local church are doing what god desires expects calls commands and will um reward and judge one day is if you're doing your job so yeah that's that's every member at our body is a part of a smaller group of folks that journey through life together day to day. And so, yeah, but to, and to answer some of that, is this a good moment to look within for any church leader? I would say absolutely. And I'd hope so. Be okay. If, if this just got exposed, if um, you realized, man, I, I don't have a way to know where everybody's at because we're not meeting on Sundays. And the truth about that was, you didn't know where everybody was at when they were gathering on Sundays, <laughs> right? And I just, uh, and I think we can all grow. There's there, there's not a pastor or team of elders out there that's done everything perfectly, right? And if, uh, you know, we tell people all the time, if I got to be a perfect pastor to lead here, you guys need to find a, you know, a different pastor. <laughs> so uh, we're always asking ourselves this question. I pray every leader is. Where are we missing it? God, what are we not doing you've called us to do? And what are we doing that you've told us not to do? Is there anything like that? Where do we need to repent? Where do we need to ask for forgiveness? Where do we need to move our people towards? And so I hope it's not, it doesn't take this to, to be the catalyst of that kind of thought. Leaders, especially of God's church, are called to um, give an account for every member of their body. And in some ways rejoice if this is exposing that we're not able to do that. And like what we're doing right now, even though we felt like we've, we're set up and we're good to go and we know people are in communities, we're still calling those folks to make sure that their communities are doing and being what we spend a lot of time throughout the year, making sure they're doing and being. And so, yeah. Let me throw you a softball here. Um, it, wouldn't it be legalistic of a church to call people to community, to call people to read their Bible to me? Isn't that somewhat legalistic? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I can tell you we've uh, had this conversation with people. I, I just go, hey, if you want a church that tells you it's okay to hear but not to live it out, if, if they kind of skip over the book of James, they take out the end of the Sermon of the Mount, uh, they don't talk about the Great Commission a ton, uh, you know, they don't tell you about Philippians 1, which is uh, strive side by side, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. If they're not going to care about Second Timothy and that you should – um, separate yourself from what is dishonorable so you can be a vessel for useful, mm-hmm. useful to your master and ready for every good work. If they're not going to challenge you and equip you to live out Second Timothy 3, I mean, I could just go through every book of our Bible and just tell you, God um, puts shepherds in your life because he knows what you need. Okay, you're called a sheep. That's not a great animal, right? There's no, <laughs> there's not a lot of sports teams out there that go by sheep. You know, if anything, <laughs> they try to make it look as much as a ram as they can because a sheep needs... Um, Elite, it needs two things. It needs a shepherd and it needs a flock. And that's what you need, right? We're called a body. Any part of the body that's not connected to the rest of the body doesn't do very good for very long, okay? We're called a family. Orphans are not things God loves um, that they're there. In fact, he says pure and undefiled religion is those who take care of widows and orphans. So if we're a family, but we're not um, attending to the family, that's not a good family. So I mean, just all the metaphors of the body and this is what I would just tell people. I think uh, we look at authority and there's authority set up in the local church and we have pain there and I get it. My story is one of a lot of pain from a lot of different authority figures and one specifically being the church. So I understand 
why people's reaction is to use that phrase, hey, don't tell me things I should do because they're not speaking really to me in that moment or to the current pastoral leadership. They're really speaking to somebody else in their story. So it's a good chance to just listen and hear why they think the God of the universe who knows how plants should grow, that they need sun and water and oxygen, and he knows how people need to grow. They need a body and they need caring, loving, pastoral leadership and to question that. And, and I go, it's because people with maybe those titles or similar positions have heard them in the past. And so let's just, let, let me just hear your story. And then let me tell you what we're here to do. We're not here to just um, check boxes and do things so you can earn a position. We're here to help you trust in God, love him fully and love others and grow up into every way into him who is the head of the body, Jesus Christ. And we think, by the way, that God uh, in his glory and in his kindness gives us commands, John 14, 15, for your sake, right? And if you had the wisdom of God, you would have yourself do the things he's called you to do. And because he loves you, he gives you his commands. So he just tells us, if you walk in my commands, you walk in my love. And he also says in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Mm -hmm. So by the way, do you love God, Christian? And we just, and we think if you say yes, then we want to help you love him and love others. And here's some things he calls you to do. And if we're legalistic, then we're going to give an account for that and you should go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, if you can go somewhere else that won't call you or help you or urge you or challenge you or charge you or come around you in your hardest moments, or maybe only come around you when you raise your hand because it is a hard moment, then I just... I don't know if you've got everything God wants for you. Mm. Mm. Very good. I can tell you're not very passionate about that. It's my short answer. That's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was say is like, it was that a soft toss or you just gave him like a, a rocket at that one out of the park. The better way you could have said that is you're going to give me an open leg, right? Cause I wrestled. So, so softball, baseball, <laughs> but man, yeah, yeah. I had an opportunity for a shot there. No, love it. And really, I mean, right. It's the, the, the tie of, is it legalism or obedience? And really with your answer, it's like, no, it's obedience. Like we're calling you to be obedient. What God has called you mm. to. Um, and I love that. I love to, you kind of said, I've heard it said kind of in a, a similar way of God's doing exactly what you would do if you knew what he knew. Um, yeah. And it, I just yeah. think that's such a cool way to think about what's happening, but let's, let's kind of end here as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, on a positive note. What's, what's some things, Greg, we'll start with you. Um, what are a few things you've been encouraged by? at this time? What are some things that you're seeing that you're like, man, like I am encouraged by the people that are doing that, or you're seeing, uh, some of the things shake out, maybe that the country's doing whatever is happening. What are a few things that you see that you, uh, you like you're spurred forward by and that you're just overall encouraged by? Yeah, I would say, uh, the things that have been encouraging is seeing the creativity of some of my friends. Um, you know, back in November when we did that, um, you know, when we basically uh, were the church at our houses and we didn't hold services at a, at the watermark uh, facilities. Um, one of my friends, he uh, invited everybody in his apartment complex to come over his house to have breakfast. And I think like, I mean, of the 300 apartments, I think three, four or five people came and they were all believers. But I mean, he put the invite out and this circumstance has come up. And now him and his wife went into the same thing. They had to go to a store to go buy more printer paper as they printed out uh, just basically hate a needs sheet that people could fill out. And he went and left them on every single porch and uh, for people to just kind of float their needs. And they got a lot of great response because people, not a lot of people ask for things. Um, and maybe that day will come, but they will know that there's a guy who lives in that apartment complex who loves everyone and who is willing to make a big, um, 
a big uh, step of love for them. And he's done it twice now. And that just really has encouraged me. It's convicted me and say, man, you know, my whole street, I mean, there's less houses on my street than there are in his apartment complex. And so that's been so encouraging. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by some of the things I've seen on social media. I've seen people more uh, posting about the scripture they've been in or talking about those things. Um, and so that's that's been a sweet thing. And then, of course, you know, I just always thank God that I get to be a part of a local church that takes serious being a local church, um, even when we can't meet together um, as a local church. And so being at Watermark has been a great example to me, um, you know, as a guy who wants to be a shepherd, um, who wants to take care of sheep, who wants to give an account for these these folks. Um, man, I'm thankful for the people who are giving an account for my soul right now. Um, I'm very proud of them and excited about what they're doing. And so I, I'm very thankful and very encouraged by that. And uh, I really am, like, not to sound, like, I don't want it to go terrible. I want this thing to end, truly. I want it to be over with because there are people who are dying by the, from this. Um, and it is putting a lot of people at, in an awful place. It's been really, really hard. Um, I'm interested, not excited, but interest, interested to see what this is going to become and how God's people continue to respond. Um, and so I'm just ready to see it. I'm ready to see what this is going to look like. And so, yeah. It's good, man. I'm, yeah, I've been encouraged. I mean, truly, that God would uh, be kind to me to show me my my flaws in this thing, mm-hmm. and uh, my insincerity, my self centeredness. Right, that we're gonna keep doing what we're doing here and doing my family and doing it at this church, and uh, just rattling me out of that and going, man, do you really care about what's going on to your siblings across the nation, across the world? And uh, it's been good for me just to remind myself why I need Jesus. (laughs) I need his atoning sacrifice. Even doing all I can, I still fall short. And uh, I'm encouraged by that. I really am encouraged by Greg. uh, uh, Watching him do a lot of the things a lot of people will never know about in the way that he's preparing his heart, his people for this church that's coming up there in Wyoming um, is really uh, humbling to watch on the sidelines. I'll tell you, I'm encouraged by you guys and your friendship. Often I've heard your name quote followed by how you sharpened him and how you lived out, man. What what this whole thing is, you know, the name of your podcast and the goal it's trying to accomplish is happening. And this is one of the you know closest friends I know you have, Quinn. And, and you're legit, bro. I mean, it encouraged me that there's guys who don't just have um, – you know, a mask or a front or an influential um, Instagram account or platform or, yeah, I mean, just fill in the blank with podcasts and anything else who really are behind the scenes doing what God's called them to do. And, the, yeah, the, the just with the coronavirus thing, I think uh, it's been really hard and sad. And, um, but God, again, I mean, it's, uh, we know God can use what man intends for evil for good. We've watched him since the beginning of the fall use what the enemy intends and why Mm -hmm. sin allows viruses and why viruses here. I'm thankful. I know how to articulate logically and biblically and historically why this is here and that uh, not just an explanation of why viruses and cancer and death are here, but also why uh, we can be sad and be sorrowful, but not without hope and how we know the end of the story. And frankly, the opportunity we have right now to really share the gospel, both with words and our life, and the way that we get a chance to trust in the midst of a storm and um, not let our hearts lack peace. And uh, the opportunities, I mean, people are ripe for conversations right now. 
um, because of what's going on. And so uh, God's using all that. And I pray he comes back quickly, but I know why he's delayed. And, he, and he's not slow like we often count slowness, right? But he desires that folks who are far from him to have the opportunity to um, receive the free gift he gives of salvation through what he's done, not what they've done. And there's still opportunity today. And we don't know if we have tomorrow, but there's an opportunity today for that. Love it, guys. Well, let's end on that note. I really appreciate you guys, unless you have last little nuggets of wisdom. Um, But yeah, man, I think what a time to be the hands and feet. What a time to prove that uh, faith is greater than fear and to listen to what the authorities have to say, but also knowing that our ultimate authority is Christ. Um, Man, thankful for you guys. Thankful for men that are investing and diving in. I think one of the mistakes and prides that wells up in my life most often is thinking that God's only at work in my life. And so it's so cool and encouraging just to see just in this, just in this conversation, three people that are getting after it. I know there's millions across the globe that are doing the same. So I think it's time to be encouraged more than it is a time to be distraught. Um, but man, Hey, thank you guys so much for your time. Really appreciate it, even though I know it took a little while, the technology side, but <laughs> we got there. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks Quinn. That's all that matters. Thanks, Heck brother. yeah. Love you guys. Love to see you. Man, guys, I hope that that was helpful. Our goal at Humble Daily is always to equip you and help you in any capacity that we can to be all that God has called you to be. Because now is the time to be faithful. Now is the time to be the hands and the feet of Christ. This whole pandemic, everything that's going on should serve as a steady reminder for the brevity of life and should spur us forward to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for you guys. I'll leave you with Proverbs 24 verse 10, which says, If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength small. So man, we thank the Lord for you guys. We're so grateful for you. We pray uh, that you will be spurred forward. And if there's anything we can do to help you, or if you are in need, please reach out. We love you guys and we're praying for you.